0: Dan Wiederer, on-air contributor for 670 The Score. You're going to be relying on a lot of young players, guys that have to materialize into who they thought they were. The Bears are who we
1: thought they were.
0: When either they drafted them or guys that they believe in that were already here, that's guys like Justin
2: Fields. Bears beat reporter and enterprise writer for the Chicago Tribune. We'll mention this mainly because
0: Chicago Tribune writer Dan Wiederer said we would mention this nugget. I leave here tonight just thinking that maybe this was just a timely reminder that this team isn't there yet, and they're a long way from there yet, and this
2: climb is really steep. Dan Weederer. Get your track shoes on. With Bernstein and Holmes on 670 The Score. Love talking football with Dan Widerer. And there's a lot going on in the NFL right now. And a lot of it has to do with reading tea leaves and intentions on some people who might have a role in the Bears' future. We'll talk that and we'll talk Super Bowl. With our guy who is on Twitter at Dan Wiederer, and with us on the score hotline presented by Circus Sports Illinois, twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 The Score. Hey, Dan, how are you? Hi, fellas. Happy Super Bowl week. You too. So your guy, Luke Getzey, got himself a job and one of the <laughs> tenured reporters there, Vic Tafer says that part of the reason they hired Luke Getzey was the Raiders are convinced Hello. that Getzey wasn't the problem with the Bears offense. I found I find that interesting probably how that got decided.
0: Did we lose Dan? Are you guys there? Yeah, we got you. I lost you for a
2: second oh, there. Okay. You, well, I, you I heard
0: you say, I heard you say the Raider the Raiders weren't convinced that that Luke was the predominant problem with the the Bears' offense. Is that uh,
2: that's where yeah, I cut out? Yeah, apparently the uh, Vic Taffer of the Athletic, I believe, still in uh, Las Vegas, said that the Raiders were convinced that Luke Getzey was not the problem with the Bears' offense.
0: I, I would throw the word predominant in there, right? Like, because I think <laughs> obviously when we when we uh, locked horns over this in in December, I think the, the the conversation was about the pie chart and how big of a, a responsibility Luke shared in that. Now I think there's been some sentiments expressed uh league wide that where there's some people that see uh an offense that that was not catered well enough to the quarterback's strengths to bring out the the level of emergent development that you wanted to see in season 3 from Justin Fields and then there are others that go through the tape and they see opportunities, you know, a handful every game where um, there were moments there that would have changed games, which would have changed seasons, which would have changed career trajectories. And so there's been a mixed sentiment, I think, around the league on, on what kind of job Luke did in 2023. The Raiders obviously willing to bet on this. They they obviously did not get across the finish line with Clips Kingsbury, pivoted quickly, uh, hired Luke as their their second choice after interviewing, I think five or six guys. For the job. And now uh, you know, we'll have an opportunity to watch from afar what he's able to do in a new setting with a, a new offense
1: and a, a new quarterback. What's your plan of attack when it comes <laughs> to trying to deal with the things you know that Dan and I have to talk about every day as it, you know, as the Caleb Williams turns? Like how how do you view what we have to do to inform the public, but 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 we still end up kind of feeding the beast, even if we're doing that.
0: Yeah, this is layered and complex. And and we actually had a conversation, uh, you know, a week and a half ago inside our building about how you could literally make Caleb Williams his own beat for the next four months and not run out of daily content to (laughs) to cover. And so um, given our our current situation and our resources, we're trying to come up with a formula for doing this in a way that is informative, responsible, um, and handling all the twists and turns that come with what is going to be a wild couple months here. We we experienced it last week, and that's just the start of the roller coaster. You know, this isn't going to slow down now between now and whenever the Bears make a decision, whenever Caleb Williams makes a decision, whenever the roller coaster gets <laughs> back to the station, which is probably uh, the first weekend of May when when the draft finishes up and we're all able to take an exhale. So um, there's a lot here, and, and it, there's going to be a lot here, and it's only going to have more added on to the a lot that's already here. Uh, that's a long way of answering a question of, of just how complex this is going to be in the months to come look like the next time that we know that we'll hear from Caleb Williams is when he goes to a podium at the Combine uh, on the final Friday of this month. A few days before that, Ryan Poles will have his annual Combine session. So in three weeks, we should have some actual on the record um, quotes to sift through. Uh, in the meantime, it's all about kind of casting lines and, and hooks and talking to people that are uh, willing to share some insight and information and trying to figure out what exactly is happening. And and right now it's been a little bit difficult.
1: It, and it's, it's also difficult just because of I know that your job is made a little bit more difficult, and and we talked about some of the the media stuff too. And I know that there are some people like, oh, I don't want to hear the media talking about media. But with the way that that it is changed, how 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 much easier or difficult is it for you to do your job? In um, which regard, I probably have a couple different answers. When it when it comes to whether or not to share information that. Ne- is it necessarily sourced when, yeah. when it comes to Caleb Williams?
0: Yeah, no, that's see, that's a really good question. And to quote Mark Tressman, I heard some of what you guys said last week, but I didn't hear all of it. But what I did hear, I heard, and it was great. Um, but I, I, you know, it's it's trying to remain responsible with it. I think Lawrence is the biggest challenge is in in making sure that you're not throwing logs on the fire just because you feel the urge to throw logs on the fire. One of the things that I've kind of used in my world as a reporter for a long time is is just kind of the, the, the concept of according to who and based on what. And making sure, particularly in situations like this, that you're always kind of understanding that part of every piece of information you get, according to who and based on what. And then you have to try to be uh, your own Gatekeeper, right? And, and, and police it obviously within the, the confines of where I work in the Chicago Tribune, I've got great sounding boards within my Bears coverage team within my editing staff. But that's a big part of this is according to who and based on what, and then trying to filter it to a uh public whose hunger for this stuff is insatiable. Insatiable, yes. insatiable, but also irresponsible. And that's where I think this has gotten difficult in in my 20 plus years in the business, is that it's just people don't care how valid or verified information is anymore. They just want it. <laughs> and then they have conversations about it for, for long periods of time because they're just so it, 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 hungry and insatiably hungry for it.
2: Well, and it's also because the, the, any place that actually supplies uh, s- verified information is barely hiring anybody or still Correct. barely still employing anyone. And and even those people yeah. that don't really have editors anymore. So a lot of the stuff it doesn't have the same filtration. I I think in large part because people don't seem to care. And it means people get a lot of bad info.
0: Scary, isn't it? You you know, and you're right. Everything you just said there is dead on. And I almost like felt my stomach drop as you described that because it's just it's a scary uh terrain that we're on and and we're we're all trying to navigate. And I, I mean I'm sure you guys experienced this last week even amongst your three shows, you know, and how different maybe the reaction to certain information was and how you process it and how you filter it and how you bring it to your, to your audience in a way that that hopefully um, I, Dan I think you have one of the best mission statements which is to try to not make people dumber <laughs> like that's a great goal and hopefully we can uh, collectively achieve that in a world that is increasingly willing to be dumber it's hard <laughs> no
2: it's really hard yeah. and, I, and, and I stole that from Joe Sheehan because he always said that that was the job of a baseball broadcast that his bar in a baseball broadcast was don't actively make people dumber and this this was through the the metric revolution and people who are actively not understanding the game or pushing back against certain measurements. We've gotten certainly well past that. But I do think it should be a rallying cry for people in our position who do have the time and the wherewithal and the experience to try to sort through what's real and what's not. But the truth is, Dan, I don't know. I I don't know exactly. I I, I can't tell anymore if it be because of, of the NIL rules changing because of the entire major college sports landscape changing as, as quickly as it does when coaches don't know when NCAA officials don't know we're playing catch up too. Yeah, at all times. And and so there
0: there's just a, a dance that needs to be done here. You know, and, and as it relates to last week with the Colin Coward stuff, it was really hard to kind of figure out where the line began to blurred on what was informed reporting and what was opinion-based speculation, because you obviously have um someone who came on with the afternoon show and, and talked about being tapped in with Caleb's camp and, and trying to relay some of those sentiments that can be valuable in a lot of different ways, but quickly it went from, you know, Caleb's camp makes it very clear that he wants to have a uh, loud passionate organization and city to join um, and he wants the most intense pressure there could possibly be and then in the next breath it was Colin sort of saying but oh well the Lions and the Packers are really good and so he's going to try to run away from that and you're like okay well we, we, at what point did this go from what you heard from Caleb's camp to things that you think in your head and that's where it gets super blurry and super difficult to distinguish and so um, like the, the the person that's going to have to talk on this eventually. And then, like I say, there is a a scheduled date at the end of this month is Caleb Williams. And we're going to have to hear from him directly um, to try to determine whether he's telling the truth (laughs) when he's hit with very direct questions to try to, um, you know, decipher his, his uh, sincerity and, and, and where he wants his, career to go. And then we're obviously going to have to pick the brains of the people at, at Hallis Hall who are engaged in this really intense homework assignment to answer these questions on, on a level that, that obviously has their jobs at stake. And so, uh, yeah, there's a lot here. And 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 I think also, like you guys know that the pre-draft process is always going to be murky and chaotic and crazy. This is an extreme circumstance because the Bears are picking one with a prospect that is kind of a, a new world person you know in terms of all these nil things and other things that come with it that only makes it a, a, sort of an extreme case study in what's already been a very uh, chaotic landscape
1: have you had any conversations with anyone around the nfl about how that landscape has changed because of of nil and that there is some like if if, if you are caleb williams and you're thinking i don't want to play for the bears and guess what i don't have to sure i can't go back to usc but I got enough money that I could hide out for a year or longer. So have, have you talked to anyone about how that changes the, 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 geometry of when you're trying to figure out whether someone's going to be your quarterback?
0: Well, that hypothetical feels a little extreme from people I've talked to in terms of his willingness to just punt on a, on a year um, and, and wait for something more ideal. I do think that there's a sense within the league that, Evolution is required. And people are willing to do it, but it's just such new terrain that no one knows how to do it because there is this 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 new group of athletes now entering the pool that has had <laughs> the spoils given to them before they've gotten in the NFL, and and it, and it's obviously been um, a new world here for the last few years. And 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 people are trying to figure out how does this change the way we connect with these prospects? How does this change the way we communicate with them? What do we have to explain to them as they're explaining to us? You know, we talked on Friday a, a little bit about this being sort of a back and forth interview where, you know, the bears are going to have to interview Caleb Williams, but Caleb Williams has the the um, option of interviewing the bears as well. And then trying to determine what he wants to do with the information he gets back from them. It's, it's, it's loaded, you know, and, it, and it's very complex and it's only getting more complex. And I think there are a lot of people in the league that are trying to figure out, okay, how do we, Proactively get in front of this and do so in a way that, for our organization, is it puts us in a in a healthy place, and that's always a, a difficult thing to get to. All
1: right, now let's talk about the game that's going to happen on Sunday the the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, Niners, Chiefs. What's impressed you about each? The Chiefs, I mean, it's. Did we lose Dan again? I think they, they lost... just oh, feel they're... comfortable.
0: You know, oh. um, here in a year you got me yeah we lost it for like a second second. yeah no i said that with the chiefs it's just it's just the comfort level that they have in being there and being on the stage it's it just they didn't have a great season and then they got into the postseason and they realized it didn't matter engine for them over the last month to to get themselves rolling and and the belief factor that comes with having 15 under center is always going to be there. And so they're, they're, they're fueling that. And I think Steve Spagnuolo all year, we witnessed it in September with the bears going down there. He's just had the number of a lot of opposing offenses and probably hasn't got the credit that he deserves for, for being the stabilizing force for this team as they've gone through some bumps with the 49ers. They've just, they, 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 that offense is so complete and they've been able to find it uh, in the, the latter parts of, of close games here, obviously in the postseason. season. Um, I, I, have told you before that I hate picking against Patrick Mahomes, but I think I'm going to do it this week because I just feel like that 49ers offense has answers for a lot of different things, and they're going to be able to get the game on their terms probably more so uh, than other teams have been able to against the, the Chiefs to this point. And so uh, I think that's where my lean is right now on Monday.
2: Wow, I, I just every time I look at it, i just I'm drawn to the fact that this is could be a tremendous football game. Other than the everything else that goes on with the Super Bowl that we might really have, even just from an, a a nerd perspective, an X and O matchup perspective, something really that is worth all of this hype.
0: It, and it, you know, it's yeah, it's like one that like you kind of want to watch, and then you're like kind of eager to go back into some of the rewatch. And then when you when we get the you know one of the the coolest weeks of the year is when you get all the week after the Super Bowl reporting on what happened in the game because there's a you know nobody's looking ahead anymore, and so there's the ability to just. Truly, truly dial in on the game that was just played, and there's so many things between NFL films and um, great reporters who cover the game uh, at, at, at an in-depth level that I always look forward to the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday after the Super Bowl because so much content comes out that uh, to the nerd factor that you talked about it just explains things at a level where you're like, man, like this is truly next level stuff. Oh, and, like and, when and ne-
2: the- next gen and PFF, I when they come out with, especially when the. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat this Chiefs team, and we saw what is it that Mahomes ran for like 500, <laughs> 499 yeah, yards, it was 500 yards in scrambling, and then showed where his passes were going and what the chances were of certain passes being caught and what was over and under expectation, and all that. like, holy crap, this is one of those heroic performances in a loss we've ever seen.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then you blend that with like reporting like Peter King does and getting little nuggets and insight and color um from parts of the game that you weren't uh, otherwise been privy to and then NFL films will put out it's I mean it's just it, it, it's a, a limitless amount of content. It would be awesome if one year it was the team that we cover that's playing in that game because <laughs> oh, it would be stop. a lot of fun. Oh <laughs> it, you. it would be a lot of fun to be a lot of be fun to be a part of that uh but but maybe soon, maybe soon, maybe one day we'll get on that trajectory and we'll at least be uh, playing into late January. As opposed,
1: let's hope that Dan is right about that. We thank Dan for his time. Uh, as per usual, great to talk to, with uh, him. Just engage. Yeah, yeah. You know,
2: this is the cutting in and out, but we're good.
1: Yeah, we thanks Dan. We appreciate him jumping on and talking about all things Bears and all things NFL as we get ready for Super Bowl Fifty Eight. You want to talk about the Bulls, Dan? Uh, we, we should like, probably we... talk about the Bulls. Yeah, there, there are
2: four it's over. There it's... there are four tent poles. Okay. To an NBA franchise's health, and I think if we grade the Bulls on all four, it's a very dire picture. And it was this way before Zach Levine's injury, mm-hmm. and it's this way now. But heading into the deadline, they've got a responsibility as I present you with each one. You tell me how they can
1: make it better. Let's do that next here on The Score. The Bernstein and
2: Holmes Show. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes. Powerhouse pairing. 10 to 2 every day. On 670 The Score. our first, if we could just get your thoughts just kind of on, on Zach and, you know, him being out for the rest of the season, what that, what that does to you guys and kind of your thoughts for him personally. Um, First and foremost, just,
0: you know, worry about his health, I'm getting back um, 100%, getting himself together uh, more so than anything. You know, situations like that, you know, I always try to look, you know, past just basketball, you know, um, it's a lot. A lot we go through as athletes, and, you know, when you go through a situation like that, you know, um, I'm pretty sure it's, it's frustrating. It's tough on them. Um, it's a whole
1: different type of mental hurt- hurdle.
2: Okay, that's Jamar DeRozan talking about Zach Levine. Who's... It, it
1: sure felt like as things were starting to get a little bit louder about maybe him going to Detroit that all of a sudden, oh, you know what? I'll just go ahead and get this taken care of.
2: He won't go into Detroit. I'm not sure that's the case as it's more likely coincidental that some doctors told him that this isn't getting any better, that we've got to go in there and figure out what's wrong. And and see I don't can, want to go to, to Detroit, stabilize it. And now it's the bulls are in the same situation they were in before this happened. That's the truth of it. It sounds like this is some big deal and maybe this will be seen as a marking point. If anything, maybe it'll be seen as an impetus to send the message to AK and Mark Eversley, that we're, this is long overdue to be blown up. Long overdue. They needed a new build before this. They need a new build after this. I'm going to ask you four things, four ways to take the the health assessment of your NBA team. All right. Overall, I look at four things. Let's do it. One, are you good? No. Like right now, are you are a you good you're, team? You're... An average to below average team—the very definition of mediocrity. Yeah, you could win any game, you could lose
1: any game, right? No one even even thinks that you can win a playoff series. Correct, because you can't.
2: Number two, where are you relative to the salary cap? Are you in an advantageous position, cap wise? No. Okay, so you're not going anywhere, and you're capped.
1: But you could be if you made
2: some well I'm not done yet. Third. so now you're you're capped and you're not good.
1: Are you young or are you old? You're old you are there is a bright there is a bright younger player and Zach's not old, but he's old because of injury. And he's not, he's pushing 30 now. Yeah, he's hes not old, but he's, but Vooch and, Vooch's game is old, and DeMar is old. But well, Vooch is old. So, you're on the wrong side
2: of, of the aging curve. You're on the wrong side of the cap curve. You're not good. So, I ask you this. Have you stockpiled draft picks?
1: no. You actually gave draft picks away for Vooch. And for Lonzo Ball. Uh Uh-huh. So, no, you don't have any real prospects there either. You're capped. Pun intended. You
2: don't have picks. You're old, and you're not good. This
1: is going great. So. It's the worst situation that an NBA franchise can be in. And it's a matter of when you want to rip the band-aid off. And it's also like there's a lot of lament, and you're going to hear it from the Bulls over the next, you know, few weeks. There's a lot, it's going to sound very familiar. And this time it's going to be people talking about Zach instead of Lonzo. Well, you know, we've had all these injuries, and then there was the injury to Zach. Right. So, well, the Alonzo thing just allowed them to excuse all of the deficiencies. And that's what I think is going to happen with Zach. Like, this is the thing. Arturis and Mark, they have to really look at this and say, are we going to allow, similar to when we talk about offensive and defensive coordinators, are we going to allow what we drew up on the whiteboard as our objective and how we were getting to the objective, to color moving away from what is clearly a failure. Now, it doesn't mean that their whole tenure as the Bulls bosses has to be a failure, but they keep compounding mistakes. You have this Lonzo Ball injury, and you never quite got a point guard to play here. And you kind of, you didn't want to say it out loud because you knew how crazy it was to say it out loud, but you kind of always whispered and kind of kept in the back of people's minds, well, you know, if we just had Lonzo, and it's just kind of, well, we're hoping everything works out with him and all of this other stuff. But it isn't just that. That also presumes
2: that you had that DeMar DeRozan who's playing way over his head. That you had a younger Nikola Vucevic. Now that that only goes so far. You had a great half a season. You had a fantastic, exciting,
1: dynamic half a season. But that's what I mean, Dan, about them compounding mistakes. They've been chasing that, and I don't think you're going to win anything. That that team won't win anything either. And remember what happened, how the year ended last year, when we were talking about the trade deadline, and what what did Artura say? He said we we're going to stand pat,
2: and we're going to use these 20-some games. 20, we're going to use these 28 games. 28 games to make our decision.
1: And they didn't. And and they didn't. And here you are. Or they did. Giving max money to, to a guy that's like, huh. but now here you are again. He's no longer part of the equation for this season. And if you are projecting out again, if you are going to roll the dice on, well, we'll extend Damar. We'll keep Alex Caruso, and we'll wait for Zach to get healthy, and then we'll have a real indication of what we look like as a franchise. We've got the indication. I think think the answer, with what's happening and the fact that you might actually be able to get something, you have to – you have to really pivot. And I know that it's a hard thing to do, and this wasn't necessarily their plan. Zach being hurt and gone for the rest of the season and tanking his trade value means that you have to change your plan. But the truth is there wasn't much value Uh, anyway. I agree.
2: You were going to take back some bad deals, and there wasn't going to be a a prospect or a a first-round pick of any value Attached to that unprotected, you're not, you weren't going to get yes, for but him.
1: maybe this allows you to let go of how tightly you've been holding on to Alex Caruso. Maybe this changes your opinion on whether or not you should extend DeMar instead of trading him for an, as an, an expiring contract. Here's
2: an idea: here's an idea. You can trade DeMar, and if you want to re-sign him in the offseason. Sign him. You could do that. If he wants to come back and and have his slow retirement here over the next couple of years, and you want to facilitate that, you could do that if you wanted. I mean, I wouldn't want to do that. I'd let him go chase a ring somewhere and cut his
1: minutes. I think that you should let him and Alex Caruso chase rings and Andre Drummond. And whatever it is that you're getting back, it's more than what you already have. And unfortunately, while they are taking pennies on the dollar for these players, that's where you're at, and that's kind of where it has to start over. Shams Charania talked a little bit about this. Was this on, on Stadium Network that he did this? Or was FanDuel this TV. With, yeah, FanDuel TV. This was Shams talking about the situation that the Bulls find themselves in.
0: The biggest player of interest that, that the Bulls will have is Alex Caruso because the fact that he's on a multiple-year deal, team-friendly contract in a lot of ways, that he's going to garner a lot of interest from contenders. But DeMar DeRozan is the player. They, they have him on an expiring deal this year. They've talked about an extension, have not been able to get a deal done. Will there be a contender before Thursday that tries to go get DeMar DeRozan? I, I think the Bulls are going to be open for those calls. We'll see if a deal happens. But DeMar DeRozan in his future, uh, either he's going to get traded at this deadline or they're going to look into the summer and you either talk about a new contract
1: or DeMar DeRozan could walk for nothing. Those are all Ooh. the scenarios at play for the Bulls. Here's the thing about the Bulls in the front office. I think that one of their failures has been waiting too long. That they kind of look. Well, let's wait and see. Well, let's let's wait and see. Let's see. If, let's give Zach this money, and and let's see how he. And then it's like, mm. and now everybody's worth less. Yep. Don't do this
2: with Caruso because he is. Any moment he's on the floor, he is a broken finger waiting to happen. I And meanwhile, in the last game, I know he's very proud of his defense, but you don't have to be like, I'm Mr. Defense Guy! Time to activate defense power! And then you're just chasing around and like grabbing people's faces and stuff. I just want to say, hey, man, hey, hey, AC, we love you, and you're good. Just deep breath here. You just keep staying in front of your guy. But he was just like. Blah, 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 blah. it's like I mean, a, foul, it's, a foul, a foul, a foul. Like, okay, it, That's man. kind of what he does. I, and, and I know.
1: But every once in a while, you don't have to, like, rip people's noses off. I, I really, I love him as a player. I love Damar as a player. Everyone loves Damar. You can, you cannot run this back. And if you, you've got an opportunity, and it is not what you would envision. It is not. It is not the, the, the level of return that you were hoping that it would be. But you can't keep doing this. You can't keep chasing the whiteboard and the dream that you had of, well, Lonzo was going to make all of this stuff work, and he's the guy that's going to activate. It, it was a really good idea. It could have worked. It didn't work. It worked for half a season. And now it's never going to work. So you need to, you need to, you need to draw up the next dream. You need to draw up the next thing that you want to do and you want to try and create. And you've got you've got got to take this and say, we've got to find a way to get some capital. And
2: th- I thought they were doing it. When they traded away Lowry marketing and when they traded away Wendell Carter, there seemed to be a vision here. There seemed to be this idea yeah. of this is the kind of team we want and these people that we want. And then it just
1: Kind of stopped. It, it stopped partially because of the injury to Lonzo Ball. It stopped because you probably overrated Zach Levine. And you know, Dan, I've been saying this for a long time. He's a player that earned a max, and I would have not given him one.
2: Casey Johnson just tweeted that Dalen Terry practiced fully. The Bulls held Kobe White. And Alex Caruso out of practice, but both could play versus T Wolves. The parenthetical injury for Kobe White is ankle. <laughs> the parenthetical injury for Alex Caruso, general mayhem. <laughs> That's my point. That's my point. At any at any time, that you he guy could become untradeable. He's tradable right now.
1: He's, he's as tradable as he's ever going to be in his life right now. So why not take this as an op? Take, if you want to, if you believe in signs, I don't know if they do, take this as a sign that you're going down the wrong path. You're
2: going the wrong way! How do they know which way we're going?
1: You can just try and start over because this ain't it. This is, this is not the way Darnell Mayberry wrote a great piece. I think everyone who, if you've got a subscription to the athletic, you should read it. And it's, it's essentially saying that they, they missed their opportunity and it's been a disaster because of it. So what do you do? You, you have to, you figure out a way to start over and it, As much as I love Demar and as much as I love Alex Crusoe, I don't think that they're supposed to be a part of whatever happens next. And then you start to wonder, are the people in the front office concerned about what the messaging of a rebuild does to their relationship with ownership? That if they were to, to, to go to Michael and say, look, This didn't work. We're going to move on. If that makes Michael look at them and go, these are not the guys that should be running this rebuild. I gave them all the time that they needed and this didn't work. Or, or if you're Michael, you can close the door
2: and sit in the room and say, guys, do whatever you need to do, but get us back. And if you tell me how you're going to turn this ship back onto some kind of championship path, and explain it to me and how we're gonna get there, where are the guy's gonna come from.
1: Are, yeah, guess, we, are we gonna get the guy? Because it doesn't seem like there's a real path for it, other than, than wishing. Yeah. Hoping that, hoping that not only will Zach be himself after another surgery, but he's gonna buy into whatever it is that your concept is. You're old, you're capped, you're hurt, you're out of picks. Fix all of those
2: things. Tell me which one. Fix one of those. Old capped hurt out of picks is not a way of doing business. There's got to be a plan for fixing at least one of those things, let alone all of them, because mm-hmm. they all need to
1: be fixed. When we come back, I want to tell you why I think Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback of all time. That's next. That's next. Bernstein and Holmes, your
2: midday destination for Chicago sports talk on 670 The Score. Score, 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 score. Pacheco in the backfield sets up to the left of
1: Mahomes. Mahomes in the pocket, throws a deep one, behind the defense, it is caught! Valdez, Scantling with the grab! He got behind
2: Millette for 33 yards. Hushing the crowd with 2.04 to play. And now we're going to hit the two-minute warning. Mahomes has done it again. Downfield delivery to Valdez-Scantling. And he has shocked the fans here in Baltimore. This is my jam, you know that. The great Iron Eagle on Westwood won. And Patrick Mahomes,
1: oh, poor dude. Dan, I've been accused of being very good at compartmentalizing things, and there are some people who believe that... Wait, accused of or or complimented for that ability? No, accused, because there is a thought that people who are adept at compartmentalizing things are people who have had a lot of traumatic experiences, and it somehow makes them lesser. Because they're not living in the emotional truth of the moment. Oh, it's the opposite. That they are able to take that and put it over here to accomplish the goals of the day, and it's not always a truthful reaction. Do you know how hard I work with a therapist on how to compartmentalize? Yes, I I would
2: agree with your therapist that you need to do a better job of that. that, that. That's the goal. The ability to put things in in different containers and move them around as you need, but, but I do it's understand
1: hard. there's a coldness to it. Like there is, and I I readily admit that about myself that there's a coldness to it. Like I've I used to joke all the time that one of the things that I wanted from a producer is that if you know Herbie died during a segment, I want that other producer to be able to step over his body and and get us the break, and then we'll handle it. But we have to get to break first. I I get it. That sort of thing. I think Patrick Mahomes is incredibly adept at compartmentalizing things. Because he's, the path of the righteous man is beset on all sides. Everywhere you look with Patrick Mahomes, he is having to either put out a fire or kind of act like nothing's happened last year with Travis Kelsey he's saving Travis Kelsey from himself at the podium just like okay stupid get out of here before you say something crazy his, so he, his brother's an actual criminal his brother is a criminal and and is beyond that he's bizarre like even if we took that out of it he's he's in a in a sport where people are all about no distractions his brother is is capable of distraction yet patrick mahomes is not distracted then there's the wife who's a handful yeah i mean she's she's clearly down for patrick like, and has been for forever so i'm not mad at her about that like you you need a cheerleader if if you're going to accomplish anything you need people that are going to be in your corner and she's clearly in his corner she's also a lot now you add in the taylor swift stuff that that he's got going on inside the booth with his family, and then this weekend, Pat Mahomes Senior gets picked up for a DWI, and it's his third one. So, if you're Patrick Mahomes, the idea of outside noise just add it to the pile. It's <laughs> it's really amazing when you think about it. But I also wonder
2: how much Andy Reid perhaps can advise him considering that Andy Reed had one son die of a drug overdose and he had another who, who is in jail or I believe in jail for the, the DUI accident that injured a a young girl when, when leaving the facility. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if he's got, advice about how to separate the personal life and any of that from your professional life.
1: He's really good at it. I, Cause I'd be telling people, you know what? <laughs> y'all can't come here no more. <laughs> like, Stop. Would you people stop? Like <laughs> straight up. Y'all can't come here no more. Y'all just, you just can't. I love you. But y'all can't come here no more. I'm trying to do some stuff. And y'all are making it
2: worse. This would be the opposite of like the Aaron Rodgers situation where his family was like, yeah, we're uh, we're kind of done with you. You enjoy the rest of your life. Yeah, remember when we wondered why they did that? Yeah. And now Mm -hmm. now we're like, oh. Oh, now we get it. Okay.
1: Now, the truth is that it could be a full family of dysfunction. But yes, but yes. Yeah, I get it. Now, now we all seem to understand their point of view better. Because back in those days, when Aaron Rodgers spoke stuff that he said made sense. Now, when he speaks, unless it's about football, where I still think that he makes a lot of sense from a football standpoint, he doesn't make sense. It's it's hard not to root for Patrick Mahomes when you look at it from the standpoint of he got a lot of stuff going on, a lot, and yet every week he just goes out there and he and I wonder like and he's, and he's also got a, a very upbeat demeanor. You know, yes, he doesn't
2: he doesn't seem sullen. He's and he's the most
1: valuable bundler. I know they've celebrated that. He the the quarterback show that documentary I thought was great for kind of learning about him and and what makes him tick but can't you imagine like he's he's doing whatever it is that he's doing and he he sees his phone is going crazy <laughs> and he's like what now what fresh hell is this yeah what what thing now so good luck to patrick mahomes In all things that he
2: does. We'll talk some NBA next. Jamal Collier, who covers the league for ESPN, is going to join us on the other side of a brief timeout. Bernstein and Holmes on the score.